Welcome to the Secrets of High Demand Coaches podcast, where I interview some of the best coaches in the business to find their secrets and share them with the world. I'm Scott Ritzheimer, founder and CEO of Scale Architects, and we help founders and leaders find the right coach at the right time so they can achieve the predictable success they deserve. And a huge part of that is helping great coaches do great work that creates enormous demand for their services with way less effort. If you're a high demand coach, I'd absolutely love to share your story and expertise as well. So stick around to the end of the show and we'll reveal how you can be our next guest in 15 to 20 minutes. Let's go. Hello, hello, and welcome. Welcome once again to the Secrets of the High Demand Coach podcast. And I am here with yet another high demand coach, and that is Michelle Page. And Michelle knows what it takes to lead a winning team. Her experience has been honed by working with Court Furniture, CoStar Group, Bluefin Payment Systems, Leapfrog Online, Fleet Core Technologies, and WW Granger, just to name a few of the top companies. She's also uh, earned her Bachelor's of Business Administration from John Carroll University and a Master's of Business Administration from the University of Georgia. Go dogs! Her expertise ranges from solopreneur to Fortune 500 and across industries with an emphasis on SaaS and past technology, fintech banking services, payments, healthcare, business, and professional services. And don't forget manufacturing. And uh, it's not all fluff. Michelle's the real deal. She's also a fellow Georgian. So uh, we're a fellow Gwinnishian. We're both in the same company here. If that's what you call people from Gwinnett, I don't know. But uh, Michelle, it feels like it's been forever getting to this point. Now, I've wanted to have you on for a long time. Scheduling finally allowed us to do that. Welcome to the show. Uh, before we kind of jump into um, you know, just how you help your clients and and even tying that uh, in a cool way to the predictable success model, I'd love to just start with your story. What were you doing before starting Sales Chasers and why'd you ultimately make the leap? Um, thank you, Scott. It's so exciting to be here. Um, the, uh, the backstory is uh, about two decades of doing exactly what I'm doing today. Um, and that's making revenue out of chaos. Uh, so I started uh, in sales very young age and realized I, I just had had an inherent knack for it, an inherent talent. Um, I realized very early in my career that selling by phone is far easier than, you know, in and out of the car, door to door and whatnot. Um, so my entire career has, has been based on uh, connecting with uh, individuals, with, with companies, and finding out their needs, finding a solution, and uh, selling by phone, leading teams, building teams, and creating revenue for companies. Mm. And of course, I said uh, revenue out of chaos, a lot of that is taking nothing and creating entire organizations. Yeah, that's super cool. So uh, if we kind of jump into your world today, what would you say is some of the most important work you're doing for your clients? A lot of the clients I work with are at an inflection point, um, either a startup or a, uh, a scale up. Um, maybe they've hit a growth plateau and they just can't seem to get beyond it. 
Um, they're preparing for an IPO, a sale, a merger, an acquisition, and they they have a need for more revenue. Um, they have a need to look at their business and find out what's going wrong. A lot of times it's not they need more sales. They need to look at the underlying problem. What's, what's causing this? Um, so that's what I do. It is uh, more of a holistic approach. So I kind of ask the question behind the question and help uncover um, what is it that we can do together to make your company operate better, to um, fill those gaps, and what value can I provide? It doesn't have to be in business development. It doesn't have to be in sales. It doesn't have to be in revenue growth. Uh, but that's the crux of it. It's a holistic cool. approach. Yeah, and I, I've had a number of uh, sales professionals and coaches on the show. Uh, I've you know gotten LinkedIn invites from about a thousand of them, uh, but I can't think of any that have said that sales might not be your problem. Right? Uh, it's it's one of those things like for, and we all have this to a certain extent. But to uh, you know, a hammer, everything is a nail. And one of the things that fascinates me about you, and this is just one example of it is that it's not just one thing. It's not just a simple you know, patch on, tack on kind of a thing. Well, it, but if it's not sales, what is it? What, what are some examples of, of things that maybe clients have come to you and thought they had a sales problem, but they really had a fill in the blank problem? Well, there's so many functional areas that contribute to sales, to marketing, to operations. No functional area of a company should or can operate in a silo. They're all interconnected. They need to be involved in cross-functional communications, cross-functional goal setting, and cross-functional execution of those goals. And that's both strategic and tactical goals. So when somebody is not reaching those revenue goals or their team is underperforming, we need to look at all aspects. Are they getting the support they need from marketing? Is technology and data giving them the, uh, the the data that they need the prospect? Do they have the right tech stacks? A lot of the things that I found is they had tech stacks, but they're not using them properly. Mm. They're underutilizing them. They've never really been trained on them. So let's see what you've got. Let's look at your current state. Let's look at your desired state. What's the path to get there? Yeah. It's not necessarily the straight line of I need more sales. Yeah. It's probably a long and winding road. So let's walk yeah. that road together. Yeah. Yeah. It's fascinating. And and you've had a chance to kind of uh, dabble in, yay, study some of the predictable success model. And one of the things in the whitewater stage that we talk about a lot, and, and uh, folks that follow us will know this, you really can't sell your way out of whitewater. Uh, and and a, a trap that a lot of us fall into is you know, we, we've we've basically played the revenue game for a while, right? The more you sell in a relatively simple environment, the more you keep. And then whitewater is where those start to separate, where you, you might be selling more, but you're not keeping anymore. And uh, and and there, there are other things that need to change it. And you've nailed it. It's this idea of kind of bringing the, the organization together, working cross-functionally, bringing in systems and processes. And I know that's a big part of what you do with teams. Is is help them, especially from a revenue standpoint, but across the board, start bringing in system and process. Well, why why do you think that's so hard for teams to do? And what are some examples of bringing system and process, and and how they can help, especially from a revenue standpoint? 
Well, what I find a lot of times is an organization will call me and say, I want you to coach in this area. We've identified this is the problem. And when we talk further, we realize that they don't have those systems and processes. And the problem extends further than that. Let me give you an example. Uh, so an organization that I'm speaking with, actually here in Gwinnett County, <laughs> um, they're looking at their, their one SDR and they think that is where they need to focus. So after quite a few conversations, and I hate to call them discovery conversations, they are um, they're, they're strategy sessions is what they are. Um, we actually changed focus and they don't want to coach that one lead generator. They decided to go back and look at their CRM, make sure it had all the fields. Um, they wanted to go back and look at their marketing materials, make sure that they were marketing with the right message. They wanted to go back and look at their data source. They want me to help them evaluate. You know, do we have the right source? Do we have the right value? And they also want to involve the entire leadership team in coaching. Yeah. So it's it's got to be a coordinated effort. Yeah. And it's it's not until you actually have those conversations with all the stakeholders to bring it to their attention. It's it's not a problem in one area. You have to again, holistically look yeah. at, you know, one person can't drive to the solution. Everybody's got to be in the boat rowing in the same direction. Yeah. And uh, you, you bring up this really big point because one of the things that I've found is as an executive team, there's so many things that are kind of clamoring for your attention. And there's this constant temptation to kind of push things out, right? Uh, you go deal with it. You go deal with it. And to an extent that's appropriate, delegation, et cetera, et cetera. But when you don't have the the base level of understanding that you need when you don't have the right mindset around it you can't delegate it and hope that it just solves itself right. and so one of the big things that we're constantly looking at especially in that predictable success stage is the involvement of senior leadership and team it has to start and take root there before it goes elsewhere and one of the places i've seen this violated the most is sales Right. Especially as companies begin to grow and you kind of get away from the founder being the chief sales leader kind of uh, idea and you have a dedicated sales team, dedicated executive team, those two start to split. What's the cost of allowing those two to really migrate away from each other? Well, first and foremost, the founder generally, in, in my honest opinion, should not be in charge of sales. In fact, I uh, did a podcast oh gosh, about two months ago. And it was focused on the founder's dilemma. You've created a great product or service. Now, how do you sell it? The founder is an expert in their product or service. They're the ones that created it. They're not an expert in sales. Hmm. Their, their time and attention is best spent on running their company, improving their product or service, and expanding the company. Get an expert in sales. Get an expert in finance. You're probably not a finance expert. <laughs> Get an expert when the time is appropriate in HR. Yeah. Get an expert in operations if that's not your strong suit. So as an executive team, you need to make sure all these functional areas are covered by someone who knows them best. 
So if you do that, there should not be a great divide. Yeah. Yeah, that's excellent. Uh, so one of the things that you mentioned as we were kind of discussing ahead of time, um, you, you were talking about the different styles and, and working with them and, and some of the challenges that those styles have in in adopting what you do. So oh, just kind of walk us through. So visionaries, right? We know the visionary founder, thousand ideas type of person. What are, what are some of the strengths and challenges that they bring to building a sales team? The... <laughs> I've worked with a lot of visionaries. They're fun to work with. They really are because they have this fantastic vision of where they want to be. So when we have that current state, desired state discussion, we're both on board. We're excited. We want to jump right in. The challenge is that path to get there. So when you are trying to set expectations, it's the, okay, well, this is not a today's the current state, tomorrow's the desired state. It's a marathon. It's not a sprint. Yeah. It's going to take some time. There is no instant gratification. So it's setting that expectation, managing those expectations, and getting them to see it through a completion. Visionaries have great ideas. But you and I discussed this previously. A lot of times they'll implement and then, you know, there's another bright, shiny object. So things will get half implemented and all that time, effort, yeah, investment, it doesn't come to fruition. Yeah. And how about our operators? So our kind of ruthless finishers, get stuff done, you know, point me in a direction, stay out of my way type people. What are some of the strengths and maybe disadvantages that they bring to a sales process? I love operators. <laughs> I would, I would best work with an operator if there's someone that's a little bit visionary working with them because the operators a lot of times are very cost-oriented. They want to be efficient. They want to be effective. But a lot of times they don't want to look at all the creative options. They, they want a great path from A to B and they want it to work. They want it to work fairly fast but they may not be open to as many creative ideas. Yeah. It's, it's such a great point because you could argue that many operators are kind of quintessential salespeople, right? That they want, they, they, want to, they want to know what to do and be left alone on how to do it. That they're initiators, they're go-getters, they, they make it happen. But yeah, you're right. They need to have a great visionary to, to follow, to inspire them, to get them thinking outside of their current reference point. Uh, and, and it's just such a practical uh, example of that that you brought up. So well, we'll kind of move through these quickly. The next one here is processors, right? So they think in terms of system and process, very linear, can be a little slow compared to the other styles, but they bring a strength to a team environment. I'd love to hear from a, a sales perspective and even your experience, how do processors help and hurt sales processes? Processors have a very special place in my heart. I absolutely love processes, procedures, best practices, and of course, you've got to document them. The, the best opportunity for success, for repeatable, scalable success, what was that? Predictable success uh, would be to have a strong foundation. You cannot band-aid and duct tape your way to success. 
So processes, absolutely. But that can't be the only solution. <laughs> so if you can give me a little bit of a blend of that visionary, but the um, urgency of the operator and the uh, lethotic, gotta have it just so of the, of the processor, I'm a happy coach. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I think that's that's kind of the thing is like, uh, to an extent, you have some people that are kind of wired that way. But a lot of us, if we were to be that way, we'd have split personality disorder, right? Like the the and and the value of what you do in b building teams and bringing them together is your ability to communicate with all three of these, bring them together. Because the way that you get all three is is having a team of people come together, and 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 building a team around all of these different strengths. You know, mitigating some of the risks on the weaknesses and and pulling through and. And so one of the places that this is hard is in the kind of hard charging sales environment. You can get some folks who might be invested in the freedom that they used to have under the old system and 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 struggle to to kind of adopt a more systematic approach or or struggle to go in and check all the boxes in the CRM. So what is it that that makes it worth the leap for them, right? You have the, the salesperson that's out there that they're used to just kind of running and gunning, and now you're trying to build a team and, and consistency and scalability. How do you bring them with you? Well, that goes to the heart of coaching. So my coaching style, very collaborative. I need to understand what's important to them. How do they communicate? How do they think? Because if I understand all of those factors then I can speak in their language. I can relate why to why for them. So everybody in sales says, with them, what's in it for me? They have got to understand what's in it for them if they follow the procedures. What's in it for them if they use the CRM and document things? Why is it going to make their job easier? Why are they going to prospect better? Why are they going to close more? Yeah. But I've got to make them understand we're equals. As a coach, I'm not talking down. I'm talking with. Right. Right. Oh, that's so good. So uh, uh, you've kind of put me on this idea of I'm moving toward coaching and how you're helping folks. So uh, uh, an easy segue to that is a question I like to ask all of my guests, and it's this. What's the biggest secret that you wish just wasn't a secret at all? What's that one thing that you wish everybody listening or watching today knew? I think the first thing, as it relates to sales, so often the first thing is, well, you've got to help this person do better. You've got to coach up. It's, it's a bigger issue than that. Everybody in sales looks at, again, that, that newest great shiny thing. They put their investment in tech stacks. They're not putting their investment in the L&D part of sales and learning. That's where your investment pays off. Invest in your people. Teach them, train them, coach them, develop your people. If they don't have the support they need, it doesn't matter how cool your tech stack is. If they don't know how to use it, it's a waste of your money. It's a waste of your talent. You're going to lose your people. You're not going to be able to retain them. You're not going to maximize their talents and their results mm. because you didn't coach them. Right. Yeah. Oh, so good. 
So another question that I have for you, and then uh, I want to make sure folks know how they can get in touch with you, because I know that there's some folks listening that's like, we need this in a big way. So, but before we get there, I'm going to have you take off your coach hat for a moment, uh, put on your CEO hat uh, and and, uh, talk to, what's the next stage of growth look like for you and your business and what challenge we have to overcome to get there? The next stage of my business is uh, actually just getting to reach as many people as possible, as many businesses as possible. Um, I always say sales is one-to-one, marketing is one-to-many. So I want to reach a lot more people. So I've got to take a little bit of a marketing approach. I'm doing more podcasts, more webinars, um, increasing engagement on LinkedIn. I want to help people. I'm a coach. I'm a giver. (laughs) One of my greatest satisfactions professionally is developing others. Not necessarily clients. Of course, I love helping clients. Um, But when I've been a sales leader, I want to bring up the skill set, the knowledge of those that I'm working with. So that means I need to reach more people. Yeah, I need. I'm looking at um, productization, not to sell, but to give away. I'm creating value that I can share. Yeah. So that's that's the the, the initiative I'm working on right now. We're actually um, one of my valued colleagues. Uh, she is also a fractional leader. Um, she and I are launching a podcast here in a few weeks. Uh, it's not finalized yet as far as launch date, but I'm very excited when that goes live. And it's going to be a coaching podcast. We're going to be coaching uh, business leaders, business owners. That's fantastic. Well, when you uh, when you get it out there, let us know um, and we'll get it uh, out to our audience as well. Michelle, it's just an absolute pleasure having you here. Uh, folks want to find more out about the work that you do. How can they get in touch with you? Um, well, as you see my contact information there, um, the best, the easiest way is probably saleschasers.com. There's one word and it's with an S on the end. Um, you can also find me on LinkedIn. Uh, I have a sales chasers page as well as uh, my personal page. And uh, you can contact me on LinkedIn by email, by phone number. I'd love to talk to you. Fantastic. One of the things that I absolutely love, and, and it is such a gem uh, from industry to industry, is when you have someone with the technical expertise to take you far, but the the strategic ability to take a step back and also say, hey, you're actually going after the wrong thing. That's something that's really, really special about the way that Michelle works. Uh, and you can tell it's instantly obvious from conversation number one. So uh, go to saleschasers.com, find her on LinkedIn, and you won't regret it. And again, Michelle, thank you so much for being here. Such an honor and privilege to have you. And for those who are listening, you know your time and attention mean the world to us. I hope you got as much out of this conversation as I know I did. And I cannot wait to see you next time. Take care. Scott Ritzheimer here. Thank you so much for listening to the Secrets of High Demand Coaches podcast. If you are a successful coach, consultant, or advisor who's built a strong book of business and would like to be on the program, please visit go.scalearchitects.com. And if you got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media and just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials? 
If you know someone who'd be a great guest, you can tag them on social media to let them know about the show. And make sure you include the hashtag high demand coaching. I love seeing your posts. I love seeing your guest suggestions. Thank you so much. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content to make sure you don't miss any of those episodes. Go ahead and subscribe now. Your thumbs up, your ratings, your reviews, they go a long way to help us promote the show and they mean a lot to me and my team. If you want to know more, you can go to our website, www.scalearchitects.com, or you can follow me or the company on LinkedIn, Facebook, or Instagram. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time.